You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard. I'll be your host this week, Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. And with me as always are my co-hosts. First off, Ali, who you can follow on Twitter at FFDynastyGrill. How are you doing, Ali? Yeah, very well, Matt. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you, mate. Obviously, as uh, Wildcard Dynasty Leagues have both kicked off this week, so my phone's been blowing up. It's, it's been it's been exciting. Obviously, you're in one of those leagues, Ali. How, how do you think it's going so far? Uh, yeah, it's interesting at the spot 13. So a lot of the quarterbacks were gone by the time I came to pick. So mm. <laughs> I had to change up my tactic a little bit. But yeah, I'm not too dissatisfied. Yeah, I think we'll, uh, we'll find a little bit more out about which uh, which was your first pick, won't we, a little later on in the show. So something to look mm-hmm. forward to. <laughs> and obviously with you as well is our fellow co-host Kev, who you can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Go. How are you doing, Kev? Yeah, I'm awesome, Matt. Cheers. We're, we're absolutely crushing our cold leagues out with us. We're in two yeah. of them and we're just absolutely dominating. So yeah, uh, I'm lucky for everyone else in those leagues. Yeah, we've had no fallout yet, have we, mate? We're, uh, we're, we seem to be on the same wavelength so far, but we're only a few picks in. There's plenty of time for it to, it to turn sour. Yeah, plenty of time for some... Uh, rookie running back debate i think <laughs> yeah not just yet get another another round two rounds <laughs> right that's enough for that then um before before we start the show ali do you just want to give the the viewers and listeners a quick reminder about their fantasy wildcard stream form that's coming up yes rapidly approaching now so our, mm-hmm. our fantasy wildcard streamer fun is now less than two weeks away i can't believe it um we're streaming on saturday the 22nd of may so a week on saturday um we're doing a 16-hour live stream covering all 32 NFL teams from a dynasty perspective. Um, and we've got some some really awesome guests joining us along the way. Um, and it's all for a great charity in mind who help people that are suffering with with uh, with mental illness. Um, it's all close to our hearts. Uh, so, yeah, so, so be sure to check our pinned tweet on our Twitter page, at, F, at Fantasy Wildcard, um, to find the Just Given link and also the list of all the great guests that will that be joining us on on the stream fun um any donations or support will be hugely appreciated and we look forward to you joining us on the stream thank you very much absolutely looking forward to that one and obviously for for a great cause um yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun so on today's show we, we've got a, a brilliant show i know it's one we, we've, we've all been looking forward to we're going to be doing a, a post draft two round super flex dynasty rookie mock draft between uh can't just can't can't wait for it can't wait for it um <laughs> it's uh it's gonna i know it's gonna be fun obviously we, we did the the pre-draft one with uh with dave Wright, and that was great fun so now obviously we know the we know the landing spots we know the draft capital so things have become a little bit clearer so without any ado kev shall we crack straight on with your 101 yeah i'm, I'm not gonna be outrageous here. i'm just gonna go chalk and take trevor lawrence <laughs> he's the Consensus 101 in all formats is such a clean prospect, the, the top-rated prospect in high school and college. He won a national title as a freshman. He's a capable dual-threat guy. He's a sneaky runner. Um, the only thing I'd add to, to this pick is uh, there is trade-down ability if there is a silly offer that comes in, but let's just remember that Trevor Lawrence is a top-seven QB in Dynasty right now. Yeah, I completely agree with the pick. 
uh, can't go anywhere else really for me. This he is that generational talent. Um, it's the easiest one at one ever, really. Uh, and I think his his ADP nailed it. It's uh, <laughs> is is fair. Um, and I, and I can actually see him being a top five quarterback in in year two and three. Um, he's got all the traits that you want in a quarterback. So you haven't got to say too much about this pick. Um, to smash smash uh, Trevor Lawrence as your one hundred and one, and you won't regret it. Yeah, I don't think there's much more for, for me to add to this one. I think he's the easy pick at the at the 101. There's, there's no need to get cute, as you mentioned, Kev. He's one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in a long time. I think he's he's going to fit in perfectly in this offense alongside um, head coach Urban Meyer in that, in that spread offense. Um, and yeah, I think he's going to be great for fantasy, as we mentioned, the arm talent, but he's an underrated um, run of the ball as well. He's, he's going to get you points on the ground. So yeah, he's easy choice, I think, at, at the 101. Um, so, Kev, my question is, his current ADP is, is QB7. Obviously, I know that's that's not really factoring the, the redraft aspect side to it. That's that's from a dynasty point of view. But do you think he can hit that level of production as, as soon as year one? Or, or are you a bit concerned? Do you think he, do you think he can be a, a mid-tier QB1 or, or not? I mean, first thing is, uh, he's also my dynasty QB7, but I've got no issue with him being as high as dynasty QB5. But... Um, coming on, coming on to your question about this season, I think it's really tough for him to be the QB seven this season. Um, just look at Justin Herbert; he he had an amazing rookie season. He had the most passing touchdowns and the most total touchdowns uh, as a rookie all time, and he was only QB ten in fantasy points per game. Um, I think the QB seven dynasty ranking is factoring in his age. So if he can get a top ten rookie season from Lawrence, you've got to be super happy with that. Yeah, I think as you said, that's pretty much how I see it, Kev. I think we we don't need that instant production, do we? We're we're paying for for, for the longevity that we, we've got with somebody like Lawrence. Um, so with that, we'll we'll move on to the one hundred two. Ali, who have you got? Oh yes, yeah, a guy I'm incredibly excited about. It's uh, Trey Lance for the for the Forty Niners. Um, for me, he's he's got to be one of the most exciting quarterbacks I've seen coming out of college. Period. Really. Um, He's got all the traits you look for. He's a he's a big, strong athlete. He's got that high, high Russian floor. I think he averaged about seventy yards a game in college. Um, which if if he can if he can transfer that to the NFL, then then he's going to be a really good fantasy quarterback. Um, he's only st- uh, started nineteen games, um, and he's not played against the best competition, which is my only knock on him really. Um, but he's overtaken Fields for the the quarterback two spot for me um, post draft. Um, I just see the upside with Lance being just that little bit higher than Fields. Um, maybe even Trevor Lawrence in terms of fantasy. Um, so, so yeah, for me, it's an easy pick. Uh, the talent and the upside outweighs the risk of him spending, you know, he could spend a year on the sideline, um, but I think he starts sooner rather than later. You'll be hoping so, Ali, because I know that that's the guy that you, you grabbed, didn't you, in the in the wildcard dynasty league. So <laughs> you're definitely backing up your your takes and and you picked him in in that startup. Um, but yeah, I think I'd take him at this spot too, at the 102. Um, we know all about that upside that he's got in fantasies. He's shown that he, he can be a great runner of the ball. Um, he averaged just under 70 rushing yards a game in college. So as I say, he's, he's shown that upside that he has with his legs. And then couple that with that rocket of an arm that he's got, it, it, it can be fantastic in fantasy. Um, and, and I really do think he can thrive under Kyle Shanahan in, in this offense. Um, he's got playmakers like Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk. And we, we know those guys that can make yards on their own after the catch. So I think that's only going to help him as well in, in regards to his 
It's fantasy production. Yeah, I, I've got fields over Lance, but I've got no problem with selection as both are super close. Um, I think the selection in a rookie draft will boil down to the roster build itself. Um, and I think throughout your dynasty league, you look to get a bit of exposure to, to both of these guys and just sort of play a little bit safer that way. Um, he has got a crazy ceiling. He's got an awesome situation as well. Um, I know you took him in uh, in our <laughs> fantasy wildcard league, Ali, but um, um, he, went, he actually went a little bit earlier in our other wildcard league. He went at the 107. So uh, a big shout out to T Strack for that <laughs> reach there. <laughs> um, so I, I just I just want to get your thoughts on uh, Fields and Lance Ali. Um, is is there a, is there a time where you take Fields over Lance in a draft? I know you've got Lance above Fields. Yeah, uh, probably the only situation is if if I'm really close for going for a championship run this this year in 2021, and I somehow managed to have the 102 in the rookie draft, then I'd probably probably grab Fields. I think Fields probably, well, does outproduce Lance in year one. Um, I can see him probably starting really early on, if not, you know, week one. Um, so yeah, that's probably the only situation. I've, other than that, um, no matter how long he has to sit, I'll be grabbing Lance at the 102. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's dead tight between the two of them, and, and that brings us on nicely to the, the 103. I've gone for Justin Fields with, with that pick. Um, it feels like a can't lose spot. I think the one over three in Superflex leagues because you're going to get your pick of any of these top three uh, rookie quarterbacks, and I think they're all going to be fantastic for fantasy. Um, I think you could make a case for either going at the one hundred two. So as I say, I'm I'm more than happy to to get Fields at the one hundred three. Um, I think it just tells how much the, the Bears wanted to get Fields. The fact that they gave up all that draft equity to to move up um, and 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 grab him in the draft in the first round. I think he's. He's pro ready, so it feels like there's less risk attached to somebody like Justin Fields rather than Trey Lance. Um, and as I say, I just I just think he's going to be he's going to be great for fantasy. And I just, I just I don't think you can go wrong really selecting him here at, at the 103. Um, he's got some great weapons uh, with the Bears. Obviously, Alan Robinson got got franchise tagged, so he'll be sticking around. Uh, and they've got that big play threat in, in Darnell Mooney as well. Um, and then, and then with Fields, he can obviously add those yards uh, with his rushing ability. So, yeah, happy to happy to get him here at the 103. Yeah, for me, um, the absolute nuts best spot in a Superflex rookie draft, uh, that 103 pick is the ideal spot for me. Um, you're getting a top 12 Dynasty QB for one first rounder, essentially. So it's easily the cheapest you'll get Fields if it does hit his fantasy potential. I don't think it's the best situation, but it's definitely not the worst either. I mean, like you said, Matt, he's tied to uh, star wide receiver Alan Robinson. He's got those other young weapons. Um, he's a great dual threat runner. He's an underrated passer. He actually had a better college QBR quarterback rating than Trevor Lawrence. Um, now, we, we know that the Bears have not had a QB one in fantasy for the last 20 years, but I've got no doubt this changes very soon. Yeah, it's a he's a home run pick at the 103. It's got to be the best spot in the draft for me. You just take the the, the quarterback that just falls there, whether it's Lance or or Fields. Is uh, is an NFL ready starter, so he could start as early as week one. He's uh, not quite the runner that Lance is, but he can certainly extend them plays. Um, and he is shifty, and I like his weapons. He's got Robinson, Mooney, and Cole Komet, who you know I'm pretty high on as well. <laughs> so, just a quick question for you, Matt. Are you happy in Dynasty to have Justin Fields as your number one quarterback? Um, I think in an ideal world, world I'd rather have a, a veteran quarterback above him. Um, 
obviously we know rookies they can they can take a little time to to adjust to the nfl um but with that said i would be happy to grab him early and, and as my first quarterback um in a start but then i'll probably target in more veteran players like a matt ryan kirk cousins later on in in the draft just for for that safer floor really and obviously it's a bit of a insurance policy but me and kev we, we got him didn't we kev we've got fields we in, in one of the leagues as his qb one so legends yeah, we, we always we always back up his takes <laughs> don't we on this show <laughs> <laughs> so with that and, and backing up his takes we're moving on to the 104 it's kev's pick who have you gone for kev yeah if, if you listen to the last show you've i kind of give it away a bit <laughs> I'm, I'm super high on this guy it's uh travis Etienne. um very high on him, like I said. My running back nine in starts, which is a lot higher than consensus, but um, he's everything you want in a dynasty running back. He's a pass catcher. He's a first rounder. He's got multiple years of college production. Um, he's he's been drafted to an um, improving team. He's got familiarity with his college QB and the system. So um, I don't understand why there isn't much discussion versus Najee Harris for the rookie running back one. Um, Etienne actually would have been my running back too. Uh, in last year's rookie class, uh, just behind Jonathan Taylor. So, um, super high on him. Um, and, and ETN, this point in the draft, I'm, I'm taking him over a guy like Jamar Chase uh, because of the uh, positional scarcity that running backs are a bit more um, valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it, Kev, with the, <laughs> with the big time spice already at the 104 <laughs> position. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> um, I have to say, I'm not quite as high on, on ETN as, as you, Kev. Um, oh. <laughs> he's, he's my RB2, um, and he's, he's my current RB16 in Dynasty. Um, so, yeah, he's not changed uh, since before the draft. Uh, I certainly I didn't hate the landing spot. It was actually really funny to see the eruption on, on Twitter um, with the Robinson owners. Um, so going forward, I can see a timeshare, uh, certainly early on in the season of the two, um, and then probably down the stretch. ETN dominating. Um, he's that that sort of guy that doesn't need the high volume. Um, so yeah, and he links up with his with his college quarterback Trevor Lawrence, which is which is important. Um, and I can't understand the backlash that people are moving him down the rankings for for landing in Jacksonville. I don't I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, Kev, with this pick, sometimes if if you want your guy, you've got to go and get him, aren't you? So yeah, I can't knock you for making him at the one hundred and four. Um, I think he's going to have an immediate impact playing alongside James Robinson. And then I think it's only going to be a matter of time before he, he gets that larger workload and he starts forcing Robinson out, obviously, with his, with the big, big plays and, and the talent that we know he has. I think it's, it's only a matter of time before he starts to take over this backfield. We mentioned it a little bit last week, but, I mean, if you're going to be in a spot where you've got to compete against another running back, what better situation than against the undrafted free agent who obviously has no ties to to the coaching staff um, and then paired obviously with, with um, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback and um, his college quarterback with Clemson. I think that's again fantastic for him and, and a reason why I think he can produce early and, and just become a, a great fantasy running back. Um, I, I know obviously he's your RB1 Kev out in this rookie class um, but do you think he actually outproduces fellow rookie running back Najee Harris year one or is this more of a, a long-term investment for you? Yeah, I'm taking Najee in, in year one of Dynasty. I think you've got to back volume in the short term, and we know that Harris is is in line for about 300 touches. Uh, with with ETN's workload less certain in year one, I think if you look at the rookie season of guys like Swift, Acres, Dobbins, they all took a, a bit of a 
bit of time to actually get going in fantasy. It was the second half of the season where they really stood out. I think as well, uh, Najee's an older guy at 23. You should have a faster transition and be physically ready for the challenge a little bit quicker. Uh, but longer term, I'm still taking ETN. I think it's it's pretty close. I have got him back to back, but um, ETN, I like him because I think he's got that pass game usage and that explosiveness that gives him the edge for me. Yeah, can't can't knock you at all, Kev. Um, so with that, we'll move on to to the one hundred and five. Who have you got, Ali? It's uh, it's Najee Harris. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's my running back one. Um, so by quite some distance. So I, I like both of these guys. Um, I, if I, I like Javonta Williams as well, but for for me, Najee landed in the the dream landing spot. We all thought that Pittsburgh were after him, and that's where he landed. So um, I believe that. They they think Big Ben can't sustain the the pass volume he had last year, so I think they're going to lean on on Najee quite a lot. So he's going to get that heavy heavy workload. So for year one, there's no reason why he can't be a top ten top ten running back. Um, the only issue for me is their their O line. Um, they didn't really do much to try and shore that up, um, but the but the volume's going to be there. So that's that's huge, really. Um, and and Najee can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, like you said, Kev, the only question for me is his is his age. Um, he's not going to be around probably as long as ETN. Um, but for the year, the first two or three years, you're going to have him. You're going to have elite production. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's my running back one by by quite a distance. Yeah, he's my rookie running back one as well. Um, I think that the land, <laughs> even though Kev made me take ETN in in the, in the wildcard dynasty league, but I'll let him have that one. Um, yeah, as I said, Ali, I think the. The landing spot's great. He's going to land with a head coach that's not going to be afraid to, to give him that heavy workload. Um, and then, obviously, one thing that we know in fantasy, that volume is it, king when it comes to, to fantasy points. Um, so, for that reason, that's why I'm, I'm super excited about the landing spot. We've seen it numerous times before with the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, even James Conner have all been great for fantasy when, when they've had that large workload. Um, you mentioned the concern with the O-line. I think they did select a couple in round three and four in the, in the draft. Um, and it is, a, it is a concern, but I think it's always it's hard for us to predict how an O-line is going to be. I mean, we've seen it plenty of times where they struggle and then the following year things start to click and, and they improve. So I'm not going to hold it too much against him. Um, he's obviously got that pass-catching ability. Uh, we know, as you said, Big Ben, he's, he's struggling with those with those deep balls with, it, with his old age. So Najee is going to be a great option for him, a, a great um, insurance policy. Um, and I think, yeah, it can be great in fantasy. Yeah, I, I mean, pick fives is flooring suplex rookie drafts, and I, I do believe he is a safer prospect than ETN. He's guaranteed that volume from day one. Um, like it's been mentioned, there is concerns about the O-line and the long-term QB situation. What I've got to think as well is the Steelers are a pretty good franchise. They're always in the back half of round one. They're always contesting to be in the playoffs or in the playoffs, so they're always going to be out of range for a top rookie QB in my opinion um, it just cloud, clouds it a bit if, if you end up with Dwayne Askins it's going to be um, hilarious but, um, <laughs> but yeah Harris like we said he's 23 he's beat up on younger guys in college um, and midway through his rookie deal he'll be starting on the downward slope of his career I guess so um, I do really like him I think he's a true free down workhorse and he's already an RB1 in my dynasty ranking so my question to you Elliot is if he declared last season where would he rank versus that elite running back class? So I'm probably going to sound a bit down on him, to be honest, but he'd be my running back five um, out of the class. I just think 
that class last year was so special. I think we'll be talking about that for years to come. Um, so I've got J JT, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Swift, uh, Gibson and Akers ahead of him, um, but he slots in ahead of Dobbins and, and Edward Solaire for me. Um, I do really see his upside. I think you're going to get really elite production for, for two to three years. Um, but yeah, he's, he slots in as, as my RB5, so I'm high on him, but not quite as high as I am on the 2020 class. Yeah, it's always going to be hard, hard to be high on him in that class because, as you say, it was just an incredible running back class, weren't it? I think it's it's going to be one that we're going to look back on, as you say, for, for a long time and, and be excited about. Um, so we'll move on to, to the 106. I've gone for Jamar Chase. I think I think it's time that I, I stop the slide now. Um, we I know it was three. We, we all absolutely hated the landing spot. Uh, as big T Higgins lovers, he's landed in Cincinnati. It's, it's what we really didn't want, but... I think he's, he's the best wide receiver in this class, so it, it'd be silly for me not to not to grab him here at the 106. Um, I, th I think there's arguments that it could be the, the first non-quarterback to be to be taken in Superflex leagues. Obviously, we know wide receivers, they have that, that longevity that, that running backs maybe don't have. Um, but yeah, with the, the Bengals, um, it's an offence that, that are going to have to throw the ball a lot, I believe. Obviously, that defence, is it's not great. And I think for that reason, there's going to be plenty of volume to go around. Um, which is obviously going to be great for us as, as Higgins lovers as well. I think we can we can have a fair share of Higgins and, and Chase getting a good amount of targets. Um, I think that connection as well that he's obviously got with Joe Burrow, both playing at LSU, that's going to be amazing. We we ain't got to worry about him finding that chemistry and that connection during the during the off season that we know they have it already. So again, I think that's why it can it can slot straight in and potentially be Burrow's favourite target on the Bengals and. And give us that that fantasy production straight away. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's great value in in the middle of the first round. Yeah, I actually think it's the perfect spot at one hundred six. I have seen him go higher, but I think if he's going higher than this, you're taking him to his ceiling. If you're comparing uh, running backs to wide receivers and, and their values in respective startups, um, he is outside the. Um, top five or six in dynasty and i think when you get outside those top five or six there is similar values between the guys um in the next 15 to 20 picks but as a prospect himself he's an absolute unicorn he outproduced current dynasty wide receiver one justin jefferson at a younger age at lsu um he's in a great landing spot in terms of familiarity with joe burrow it's an ascending offense and tons of volume there's not uh who was like aj green ruining it for everybody um <laughs> So yeah, there's there's no negatives in his rookie profile. I think he's a, an absolute fantastic prospect. Yeah, this is yeah, so smash it for me. Uh, I think I've been involved in three rookie drafts, and he's he's gone above the 106 in every single one of them. Um, but I think you're right, Kev. If if you're drafting him above the 106, he's he's got to produce sort of Justin Jefferson sort of figures to justify that, hasn't he? Um, to be taken that high ahead of Najee or, or ETN. Um, but yeah, it was. It was another hard one for me on draft night. Um, Vormity Higgins shares. <laughs> Please don't take Chase. <laughs> but um, I do think this offense can sustain at least two high-end fantasy producers. So I'm hoping it's going to be Chase and, and T Higgins. Um, but I absolutely love Chase as a prospect, so I can't knock it. One of the most complete receivers that I've ever graded. Um, and yeah, I've just seen him go higher than this in every single uh, draft that I've been in. So... So, yeah, it's a really good pick here. Um, so, just a quick question back to you, Matt. Do you think Chase finishes as the number one receiver on the Bengals in his rookie season? 
Yeah, I kind of hinted at it a little bit before. It really wouldn't surprise me, if I'm honest. Um, I think with that that connection that they've obviously had from their time at LSU, as I said, the, the, there's no no need to, to build that chemistry. It's already there. They, they've not got to figure out how each other plays that they, they know. So um, I think, yeah, I think he could definitely be, be the number one wide receiver on the Bengals. Um, and, I mean, let's not forget in 2019 at LSU, when, when Burrow was the quarterback, Chase had just under 1,800 receiving yards and, and 20 touchdowns in 15 games. So we know the ceiling that he has. And with that with that connection, um, I think I, I definitely think he can. So with that, we're, we're going to move swiftly on to, to the 107. Yeah, that's me again. And I'm taking Zach Wilson. Um, I think there's a clear gap between Zach Wilson and the other contents as top three uh, rookie QBs. Um, I'm not huge on his talent but i do love the draft capital in mean taking a pick two he joins an improving team and roster at the jets um, and we know that the the value of qbs in superflex league superflex leagues is, is huge um he's got rush ability he's got arm talent to give him a high ceiling but he's also got a high bust potential with the level of competition he faced and the in pro um style of play that he, he uses um he does get a bonus point though for taking two girls to prom <laughs> <laughs> it should be the 101 there. <laughs> um, you hit the nail on the head for me, Kev. Um, he's the next best quarterback, but he's he's miles behind the other three for me in terms of fantasy. Um, obviously, the Jets saw something in him that they really liked, and they ignored uh, Lance and Fields. Um, but he's going to be he's going to be linked to them for forever now. Um, did the Jets make the right decision? We'll we'll find out. Um, so there is pressure on him to deliver, I think. Um, but I do like his dual threat ability. Um, but then he didn't play against the best competition in college. So we'll see how he steps up in the NFL. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love the draft capital. And if I've got the 107 pick, I'm, I'm definitely uh, I'm picking Zach Wilson as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to pass up on a quarterback at this spot when you know he's going to be the guaranteed starter week one. I mean, the, the Jets have clearly got that confidence in him because in the depth chart behind him, they've only got James Morgan and, and Mike White. Yeah, no idea who those guys are. So <laughs> it just shows that he's guaranteed to be the start of week one. Um, so to get him at the 107, it feels like like great value in a super flex league. As you said, he looked great in 2020 with BYU. Um, but as, as you both mentioned, that it's the level of competition. It, it was it was nothing special. So I think it's understandable to be to be slightly concerned moving from that and then and then to the NFL. Um, but he does have some nice weapons. He's obviously got Denzel Mims, uh, Corey Davis, and then rookie Elijah Moore. Uh, I think all three of those guys can can help him succeed early. Um, so, Kev, is, Wilson's ADP is currently QB17. Um, but what, what do you think his ceiling could be in fantasy? Can he, can he outperform that ADP? Yeah, I actually think QB17 is a little low for him. I've actually got him QB15 ahead of guys such as Ryan Tannehill and Matt Stafford. Um, from the mock draft, you can tell he's my rookie uh, QB4, but I do think he's a solid prospect when we look at everything. Um, that, that draft capital I mentioned, the rush upside, the young weapons, and also no running back of consequence, wink, wink. <laughs> um, uh, he can absolutely be better than QB17, though. He's got that huge potential. Um, the only flip side is that he could be a lot worse than the QB17 as well. So um, you have got to proceed with caution with uh, Zach Wilson. Yeah, I think you're right. So with that, we're going to move on to, to the 108. Who have we got, Ali? 
Yeah, so I'm grabbing another unicorn. I'm grabbing Carl Pitts, <laughs> the tight end. Ride that uh, unicorn. At the, the 108. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been at the three drafts I've been in so far. It's gone no later than the 106. So consensus is that they, everybody loves Carl Pitts. So um, surprisingly, oh, unsurprisingly, I haven't got any shares of him yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's the best rookie tight end that I've ever analysed. He's, he's more of a hybrid wide receiver, really. You can line him up anywhere. Um, just go for the matchup, um, and he bully defenders with his with his size and his quickness. Um, he's my dynasty tight end four behind Kelsey Kittle and and Waller, so he's slotted in quite high for me. Um, and I think he contributes straight away. Um, there's been rumblings this week that Julio Jones is on the the trade block for the Falcons as they're a bit strapped for cash. So if there's a situation where he was traded away, then then Pitts, you know, really could deliver in. In year one um but yeah but the 108 i'm i'm happy to get him even though it's a tight end um but he's, he's unbelievable upside and the fact that he's only 20 or 21 years old you've got him for the next at least 10 years haven't you yeah i agree i think this is the, the perfect spot spot for pits behind the the seven guys that we've taken before him as you mentioned he's an unreal talent he's an absolute physical specimen um I think they are going to use him in a variety of ways, like you mentioned, whether it be as a traditional tight end or in, in the slot role as well. Um, the, the, the Julio situation is definitely going to be interesting. I mean, if he was to leave, then that opportunity for Pitts is going to be massive. Um, I think he's going to be an instant red zone target for, for Matt Ryan with it with that size um, that he has. I think sometimes you you worry about these guys coming from college to the NFL, but he's, he's such, a, such an absolute beast. I, I, I don't have any con, concerns when it comes to him being used in 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 the red zone um and yeah i think it, it can produce right out of the gate yeah i love pitts the prospect is best college tight end of all time in my model um but one tennis slightly too early for me um agreed is my tight end four in dynasty but have a look and see where tight end four goes in startups um it's after where our next two picks go um so from a value point of view it is too early but i do understand the upside the the allure with this uh this unicorn as such um <laughs> i think in certain suplex leagues you can take him here it is all based on your roster or what exactly you need um but it is a bit of a luxury pick I, I do think the hype is real though i don't imagine you'll see him going at the 108 or after in in your drafts and it's going to be at the the detriment of guys like travis Etienne and zach wilson as the fall guys so just want to know ali how i would you be taking pits in a tight end premium rookie draft compared to a non-tight end premium uh so definitely bump him up um i'd be tempted he'd be in the same bracket as as chase and Najee harris for me um so he'd probably be 104 around about that mark after the qbs um if i was sort of really desperate for a tight end um i'll take him over zach wilson for that fourth quarterback spot um so yeah probably it probably feel like a reach. It'd feel bad for me not taking Chase or Najee, but um, in a tight end premium, if he really hits it off in the NFL, then you've got someone like a cheat code like like Kelsey is. So probably the one if four would be my maximum. Yeah, I, I think I'm not going to end up with any, any shares of him if I'm honest, because <laughs> I think it's that FOMO situation. I think there's always going to be someone in your league that's that's desperate to get him. So, yeah, I sadly, don't think I'll be having any shares. <laughs> so we'll move on to to the 109, and I've gone for Javante Williams. Um, he's likely going to be in a timeshare with Melvin Gordon in 2021, but I think that's just giving you an opportunity 
to, to get him at a cheaper price, if I'm honest. Um, the, Beng- the, the, the Broncos, they clearly wanted their guy. They moved up in the second round to, to grab him. Um, Gordon is, is unlikely to be around after next season. And, and I just think Williams has got all the qualities that you, you look for when you're looking for a workhorse with that size and then his, his pass question ability as well. He averaged just under 11 yards per reception in, in North Carolina. So he's definitely got the ability to, to, to get fantasy points through the air as well. Um, and I just think he's going to be a, a, a rock-solid fantasy running back. Um, but you, you might just have to temper expectations for, for year one with, with Gordon still around. Yeah, I, I love this pick, Matt. Well done. Um, I think he's <laughs> he's going to be one of the biggest values in rookie drafts this offseason is Javante. Um, Dynasty players do see this as a bad landing spot with Melvin Gordon there. However, so many players overvalue landing spot. It's the same mistake we make every year. Uh, DeAndre Swift, Keyshawn Vaughn spring to mind from last year. Um, I mean, are we really worrying about a 28-year-old running back that's played 16 games once in his career? It's not redraft, is it? It's it's dynasty. So, um, I mean, the Broncos took him at pick 35. It's the same pick Swift went last year, and this was before guys like Jonathan Taylor, Akers, Dobbins, etc. Um, and I see him as a angry Kareem Hunt type player. Um, I think he's super talented. I think he's more talented than Akers and Dobbins actually, which say that however you want but um i do think the landing spot is actually better than those two guys so if you're thinking logically if you're getting him at the 109 this is javante williams smash draft yeah yeah love it kev um it's my runner back three it's pretty close between him and an etn for me um and then there's a big gap to, to michael carter who's <laughs> running back four um so yeah the broncos obviously saw you know melvin gordon's replacement they, and they jumped up in the draft to get him um it's my running back 18 at the minute in dynasty uh, there's definitely scope to him for him to move up though um i've got him just behind sanders and and ceh um which doesn't feel great um but yeah we've, we've gordon being a free agent in 2022 i think it's perfectly set up for williams to to dominate down the stretch this season and take over the role next season um so throwing it back to you matt you just picked him up at uh, pick nine in this draft is there a situation where you draft him any higher than um than pick nine in in rookie drafts yeah i mean i i could definitely take him at, at the 108 over somebody like pitts if, if i need that running back we know how how quickly you can you can get a return from your, your rookie running back so yeah i think 108 potentially even maybe before before chase i think it'd be close between those two guys um, but but that'd be my limit. I mean, I've got Harrison Etienne above him in my dynasty rankings. So yeah, I think 108 I'd be comfortable with. I could maybe push to 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 107, but I do tend to to like getting somebody like Chase who it, it could be it could be awesome at the wide receiver position and and with that longevity as well. I think that'd maybe maybe make me swing it back to to Chase. But yeah, 108 and, and maybe 107 I'll go for. So we'll move on to, to the 110, Kev. Who have you picked up at the 110 spot? Yeah, I'm going for Matt Jones. Um, pick 10, I think, should be his floor. Um, it shouldn't be dropping any further than this. He had a super impressive 2020 season. He won a national title at Alabama. Um, he's a low in QB2 in my rankings uh, due to the lack of rush floor. Um, and it's not a, a great initial situation as a rookie, but... What we've got to look at is he's a safe, steady prospect for a five-year contract, and I think he's the ideal QB2 on the cheap um, because he's, he's a starting guy that's going to be just solid, I think, um, throughout his uh, career. Yeah, it's 
it's one of them picks where you make it when all the other you know players in your draft have, have taken you know Chase and Pitts and Najee, but it's definitely the right one to take him at the one ten. Um, the concern me it, with, with me is the the lack of Russian ability. Um, so he's never going to be anything more than a QB two. Um, so I've got him ranked with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, so fairly low down. Um, but he's definitely going to be cheap. Um, um, but he's a, but he's a winner. Um, his 2020 season was incredibly impressive. Um, he's obviously going to have to compete with Cam, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Two completely different quarterbacks. Um, yeah, so um, safe is the word here. It's it's anything but exciting, but. In Superflex, we know that quarterbacks are king. So to get one here, he could potentially be a starter at the 110 is is good value. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm like you too. I think it's the, the the rushing is what concerns when it comes to him as a as a, as a fantasy quarterback, and 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 that's why I would fade him. Um, I think he's got to be he's got to be an elite passer um, for him to to be that desired fantasy asset that we want and. I think that's asking it. That's asking a lot of him. He's on an offense where I don't think he has the best pass catching weapons. In all honesty, um, obviously they've made moves in in the off season, but I wouldn't say it's anything spectacular. Um, I do agree that it's this. I think it's the right selection at this point um, in a super flex league. Uh, it's just one of those picks, as you say. You're not going to be excited to make it, but it's safe and, and it's probably the right pick to make. Um, so, Kev, do you do you think Jones is going to be the start of week one? I think that's the question. Um, if not, how long? How long do you think it takes for him to dethrone Cam Newton? I mean, first of all, it's tough to get a gauge on Bill Belichick what he's going to do because he had Tom Brady for twenty years. There was never any um, any sort of thoughts about QB competitions or when a new QB will start. Um, in my opinion, though, I do think Cam starts the season. Um, you lean towards a veteran, and plus, you got to give him a chance. He had a horrible situation in twenty twenty with the weapons, uh, the injury, COVID, etc. So I think he will get the first shot. Um, it's it's an improved but not great sporting cast. But um, yeah, just Mac Jones, I think he, he could be the last of the five rookies to get starts, which shouldn't be a shock considering it was a fifth rookie taken. Yeah, I agree. So so with that, we're going to move straight on to, to the one eleven. Who have you gone for, Ali? Uh, it's Devonta Smith um, for your Eagles, Kev. Um <laughs> I'm probably a bit higher on Smith, <laughs> on Smith than consensus. Um, I absolutely loved him, watching him dominate last season on the, on the way to the Heisman. Um, it's it's probably not the perfect landing spot, but it is somewhere where he can he can be the guy right away. Um, I've got him being the, the the wide receiver one on the team from from his rookie season. Uh, certainly no issues with his with his slim build. Um, I wish I had that problem as well. Uh, <laughs> He, <laughs> he he does link up with his college quarterback Hertz, although I don't see Hertz being the, the long term answer for Philadelphia. Um, I think we're all in agreement there. Uh, and I, I honestly, can, I think that Smith can can really dominate this offense from from his rookie season. So he could have a really decent season right out the gate. Yeah, he's, he's my rookie wide receiver three. Um, he definitely has that that big playability. But but I do have my concerns with him. You, you mentioned the the size. I, I do see that as a bit of a concern. I, th I think it's one thing to to be dominant in college, but then to be that size and coming into the NFL, I think it's going to be a whole different ball game for him. Um, and then the big thing for me, it, it was something that I, I preached before before the draft. I think whoever the Eagles selected, I was always going to slightly fade him just because I'm not a believer at all in Hurts and 
and that passing ability that he has he's shown his inconsistency last year and for that reason i think that's that's why i'm fading him he definitely has the opportunity there's there's no there's no disagreeing that, that he doesn't have a, a great opportunity and he probably will be the wide receiver one on that team it's, it's just a quarterback play for me that that puts me off and just the, the eagles as a whole and what they're doing as a franchise i think it, it opens up reasons to to be concerned yeah, I think purely on my college model is miles clear of uh, rookie wide receiver three. Um, however, I think that there is some concerns about late breakout age and beating up on kids like Najee. Um, I've got Smith closer to guys like his former college teammate, Jalen Waddle, who we might see very soon. Um, <laughs> I think 111 is the right spot for him, and I'm happy to take a punt on the talent at this stage of the draft. It's also worth seeing if you can trade off from this pick to a veteran wide receiver. Um Having a look at startup ADP, if you can flip the one eleven for a guy um, above him in rankings like Jerry Judy or Colin Sutton, I'd be all over that. So I mm. um, just want to know, Ali, what do you think he will be the top scoring Eagles wide receiver this season? I can't say see how he's not the top scorer this season, to be honest. Um I'm not gonna write off Jalen Rager just yet because I was fairly high on him last last year. Um but what we saw in twenty twenty was a bit uninspiring to be honest. Um other than that, you've got the likes of Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, who had that amazing four-week stretch and then disappeared, or JJ ortega Whiteside. So what a, what a receiver of that is. So I, I honestly can't see how he's not the top scorer. Um, so in that way, I'll bump him up the rankings because he's going to have a decent rookie season, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. And we'll move on to the next pick because Kev teamed me up nicely. It's the 112 and I've I've gone for Jalen Waddle. Um he is my my wide receiver too, so I was I was happy to grab him at the end of the first round. Um he's obviously got that great draft capital. Um he only went one pick after Jamar Chase at pick six. So I think that just shows the the level of quality that the, the Dolphins believe that he has. He's linking up again with with Tua, who we know they spent time together at Alabama. Um, it's going to be an explosive weapon. He's versatile, um, so I believe they're going to be able to use him in in, in numerous ways. And I just expect Tua and, and this whole offense to, to take a jump forward next year. And and with that, I think it's going to be great for Waddle. I think he's going to be a key part of this this offense next year. Yeah, like you said, it's the perfect landing spot this with Tua for either of the Alabama boys, whether it had been Smith or with it being Waddle. Um, linking up with the former college QB, the early draft capital, the clear pathway to an alpha role for next season. Essentially, they gave up an extra first rounder to jump up and get their guy as well. So in my rankings, he actually flipped with Bateman as my wide receiver four. Um, I really like this pick and I'm getting more and more excited every day, but I still don't think it'd be my rookie wide receiver three, though. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely, absolutely love the pick here, Matt. Um, I think this could be a home run hit. Um, my hot, little bit of a hot take is I think Waddle could be the the steal of the entire draft, especially at the back end of the first. Um, you got to love that draft capital. Um, the news coming out is the Dolphins wanted Waddle over Chase regardless, which... Idiots. I'm not quite sure. I believe. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's, he jumped Bateman to be my my wide receiver three, um, and I've just picked up my first share, and it was at the one the one twelve. So I think this is about right, um, and it's really good value. So just back to you, Matt. Um, do you think Waddle's going to end up the number one receiver on the Dolphins? I know they signed Will Fuller, and they've still got Devontae Parker there. 
I mean, again, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him be the most targeted player. Um, as we said, that the connection that he's already got with two, he's got that that chemistry. I think Will Fuller he's going to be more of the the, the big play, the, the field stretcher on the team. I, I think Parker's still going to get his fair share. Um, but but with Waddle, if he, if he fits into that slot role, I can see Tua targeting, targeting plenty um, next year. So I'll quickly recap the, the first round. We went Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Jamar Chase, Wilson, Pitts, Williams, Jones, Smith and Waddle. So before we crack on with round two, I just want to give a shout out to a sponsor, um, Silver FX. They're the leading supplier of bespoke teamwear, including podcasts, sports clubs, universities, and schools. Choose from Silver FX own bespoke range, their modified designs, or you can customize your own from scratch. We at the Fantasy Wildcard, we have our very own merchandise store. We're bringing you a fantastic logo branded across several quality items, including hoodies, hats, jackets, t-shirts, and shorts plus many more. So be sure to check out SilverFX on Twitter at SilverFX underscore sports and their website www.silverfx.co.uk. Thank you. So with round one in the books, we're going to move swiftly on to, to round two. Kev, who are you taking at the, the 201 spot? Yeah, it's my uh, wide receiver free, a guy who, who I absolutely love actually. It's Terrence uh, <laughs> Marshall, um, perfect landing spot for my rookie wide receiver three. Um, it reunites with his college coach in Joe Brady. Um, Clip after being a starter as a rookie, um, he, he's going to be in two wide receiver sets from year two, once Robbie Anderson bogs off. Um, <laughs> so much intrigue with, with, with Terrence Marshall. He's got such an amazing potential, but there is concerns with why he did slide in the draft, why um absolute scrubs like Tutu Atwell and Dwayne Eskridge went above him. Um he's got 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 to think a little bit about that, but I think he's got absolutely massive potential. He played behind stars at, at LSU um in Jefferson and Chase. He's young, big, he's a fast alpha. Um I mean if there's one piece of advice I could give anybody it'd be to get on the terrace. Love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love I love his talent. Um he was definitely overshadowed by Jefferson and Chase, but we saw what he could do when when they weren't in the lineup. Um, I think the injury concern is what what saw him slide, but I didn't expect him to slide just that far. Um, and I, I love the fact he's reunited with his old coach. Um, I actually did drop him down a couple of spots for me. I think the Moors jumped up ahead of him. Um, <laughs> and I'd personally pick someone like Bateman or one of the Moors at this position, but I can, I can certainly see why you've picked him, um, why you've got on the terrace and, uh, <laughs> yes. his, his, his potential is, is huge. So if he can stay injury free, um, then yeah, I can definitely see him, uh, him dominating in this, in this offense. Yeah. I, I really like Marshall as well as a player. Um, and I, I think the landing spot, it could be great for him. Um, I like the offense that Matt Rule and Joe Brady are putting together over in Carolina. I mean, we're hoping and we're praying that quarterback Sam Darnold can can show that ability that that we think he, he has when he when he links up with the Panthers and hopefully that can unlock Marshall and, and the rest of this offense. Um, as as you mentioned, the, the linking up with Joe Brady, I think that's gonna that's gonna be great for Marshall. Um, I think he's gonna see opportunities early, and then obviously we know Robbie Anderson is a potential free agent in 2022, so it could be in line for an even larger role beyond next season. Um, so, Kev, what kind of impact do you think he can make year one or 
Um, do, you, do you think he needs Robbie Anderson to, to move away before he can become fantasy relevant? No, I think he's an immediate starter in three wide receiver sets for the Panthers. Um, I know David Moore was signed from the Seahawks, but he's not on a massive deal. Uh, plus, like we've said, Marshall's familiar with OC Joe Brady from their time at LSU, so it could be a smoother transition than a normal rookie. Um, we saw that the Pams had three top 25 wide receivers last season in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. So I'm not saying Marshall can be a top 25 wide receiver this season, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's a low-end wide receiver three as a rookie. And just once again, in case you missed it, get on the terrace. <laughs> I love it. Right, so we'll move on to, to the 202. Ali, who have you gone for here? Yeah, so just to darken the mood a bit, we we come to the wide receiver <laughs> graveyard <laughs> uh, with Rashad Bateman. Um, and I actually love the fact that he's he's tumbling down draft boards as, as low as uh, sort of the early to mid second round. This it means that I can scoop him up in in all my drafts, and I'm I'm really happy with that. Um, so to get him here, I'm delighted. I absolutely love his talent. Um, he's clearly going to be the number one wide receiver in the offense um but but the fact that it's a low pass offense lowers the ceiling for sure um he's my rookie wide receiver four so i think i've got him one spot higher than you guys um and in dynasty i think i've got him ranked as a low wide receiver two around the 24 spot um but i think that represents decent value here um being the number one on the team if they do ever change approach or fall behind in a few games and then there's going to be some volume for him. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy at the, the 202 to pick up Bateman here. Yeah, I think this landing spot was always going to be one that, that we hated from fantasy. I know it's funny we always say don't don't overreact to the landing spots, but I think you've got to when it comes to, to this offence, just purely because of the pass volume that, that the Ravens have. Um, but, I mean, he, he was a first-round pick at, at pick 27. I think he's going to get that opportunity straight away. That They're not going to use a first-round pick on him just to, to, to be sat on the bench. So I think he's got that immediate opportunity. Um, he's got the ability to, to be that alpha, and he, he could be one of Lamar Jackson's top targets. And he's also going to be a, a red zone threat alongside Mark Andrews at, at a tight end position. So that's obviously going to, going to be great for, for fantasy. Um, I just think that the ceiling, I think it's going to be capped. Um, as I say, because of the offense, but I think it could be a solid wide receiver too in fantasy. And if you're getting him at this point, I think that's that's great value. Yeah, I know we laughed at Bateman on the last show, but this landing spot does stink. Um, I've <laughs> I've seen the AJ Brown comparisons about poor landing spot, and low volume, etc. But that's absolutely clutching at straws. <laughs> it's nearly as bad as the James Robinson truthers out there. <laughs> Bateman is not AJ Brown. He's not as good. It's a lower volume offense. There's way more competition than AJ Brown had. And this is an offense that works being run heavy. There's no need to change it at all. Um, I know he's a, I know he's a round one wide receiver, but so was Marquise Brown. Everyone seems to think it's an automatic that he, he crushes him and he's the number one alpha from day one. So um, just to tie that in with uh, your thoughts, Ali, how long do you think it is before Bateman does become the alpha and what is his ceiling in Dynasty? I don't think it takes him too long. Um, obviously, Hollywood Brown has had the years with with Lamar now, so they've got that rapport going. Um, but I think his all round game is is better than than Hollywood Brown. Um, but but yeah, his his ceiling's always going to be capped, whether he's the number one or number two or even number three. If if Andrews is still you know high volume, then it's always going to be capped with a with a run first offense. They're not going to change it. Not now. It's worked so well the last two seasons. So. So I think uh, 
his ceiling in dynasty is always going to be capped. I don't think he can reach wide receiver one. In fact, he's probably going to be more wide receiver, low wide receiver two, sort of wide receiver three sort of area. Yeah, I, I just wish he landed somewhere else, if I'm honest. Mm. He's killed one of his favourite wide receivers in, in fantasy. So, RIP, as you said, Ellie. So, we're going to move on to, to the 203, and it's my pick, and it, it's finally happened. I've, I've gone for Michael Carter here at the 203. I'm going to keep it short and sweet this week because Kev let me know that I was the most annoying man on the planet last week <laughs> when I spoke about Michael Carter. So, short and sweet one. He fits into this offence perfectly with, with that burst and short areas agility that he's got. Um, he's going to contribute as a pass catcher as well. And he's just got that clear role. The competition he's facing, Ty Johnson, Michael Pirine and Tevin Coleman. I believe he can beat any of those guys out. Uh, and it sounds like the Jets wanted to, to get him in the third. I've seen videos on Twitter going around saying that they, were, they thought the third round, it was a struggle watching him um, still on the board and, and praying that he fell to him. So... I think there's potential that, that that they add that day two grade on him, which which is great. Obviously, he went in the fourth round, um, but it's it's always nice to know that, that they fought a little bit higher of him. But yeah, I'd say that's that's all I say on the matter. Yeah, me and Matt fell out last week, and I publicly shamed him for having uh, Carter in, <laughs> in round one of his content. No right? shame. There was no shame. <laughs> um, but we have made up. We are we're, we're good friends. Um, but I'm going to try and put it to the test again right here. I know he can get a bit angry, so I'll try to be nice. Um, I don't hate him in a couple of picks of time, but I've got the more brothers ahead of him. Um, I mean, it's concerning that no team on day two took Carter. I think the Jet storyline is plausible. They could have had a day three, uh, day two grade on him, but with him being a day three pick, I do, I do think it makes him a low chance of being a success. In my eyes, he is Devin Singletree 2.0. I think he will have success as a rookie, but then he will face more competition with better draft capital and talent next offseason. Yeah, for for all the hatred I have for Michael Carter, just purely because of that, it's, <laughs> it's, it's good a to know you. It's good to know your friends you've got anyway. They both want you to fail. <laughs> this is the perfect spot to be taken. I think um, early to mid second is is just right for Carter. Although I agree with Kev, I'd have one of the Moors over over Carter in this spot. Um, all of my rookie drafts so far, quite interestingly, have had Sermon go ahead of. Head of Carter, but I'm not. I'm not on board with that, Matt. Uh, don't worry. I'm, I'm with. I'm with you here. Agreed. <laughs> uh, I think the lander spot's really good. Um, obviously, not the draft capital's not. Um, he's, but he's automatically the most talented runner back on the Jets. So, can he be the lead back in a committee? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, he had an awesome last season at North Carolina. Um, I'm just glad you didn't take him in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, Question for you, Matt. What what do you think Carter Seelan is in year one on the Jets? I think it could be an RB two next year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they use him. Um, but if if he can get a role where he sees 10, 11, 12 carries and then four or five receptions, I think he can make the most of that opportunity. He's not somebody that that needs that heavy workload. Um, he averaged eight yards per carry and, and just under 11 yards per reception in 2020 with North Carolina. I think that just shows that the big playability that he has, um, even on if it is a, a limited amount of touches. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with my boy. I think RB too. I think he can he can achieve that next year. So, so we'll move on then before before we uh, we fall out again, and we'll, we'll go on to the 204. <laughs> Kevin, have you gone for it at the, at the 204 spot? Yeah, I'm taking Elijah Moore here. Um, it was a close call between him and Rondale, but I went for the volume play. He's a smaller, rapid slot, slot receiver type. Um, player profile that Com's got him 
compared to Tyler Lockett, which I think is interesting and fair. Um, I think it's a wide open offense uh, for an alpha to emerge at, at the Jets. So um, solid wide receiver two type, uh, solid wide receiver two, three type for me in fantasy. Yeah, I absolutely love the pick of Elijah here at 204. It'd be exactly what I'd be doing. Um, it's an upgrade on, on Jameson Crowder, who I believe is on the books for something like $11 million this season. So I can't see that happening. Um, I think it's going to be a PPR machine on the Jets. Uh, it's going to be one of the safest picks for me. You will get in round two. Um, didn't really see many weaknesses in his game and he tested tested off the charts. So for me, he could, he could well outperform this this current ADP. So I think it's a, it's a home run hit here, Kev. Yeah, yes. I definitely agree that it, I think it's a, it's a safe bet taking Elijah Moore here. Um, you should see that volume, as you said. Um, I fully expect that they move on for Crowder. I think it makes sense given the, the cap space that they'd save if they cut him or, or potentially traded him. Um, and I think it's good to see that, that obviously Zach Wilson, they, they've linked up together. We've seen all the all the videos on Twitter getting everybody excited on Twitter. So it's good to see that they're, that they're linking up together this early and, and building up that chemistry. Um yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be a great playmaker out of the slot and a really solid fantasy asset. Um, but Kev, I just wanted to know, does the landing spot present any concerns? Obviously, there's the, the rookie quarterback, there's the new coaching staff over at the Jets. Uh, are you concerned at all? No no concerns for me due to the nature of Moore's play, that he's a, a low-risk uh, role in the slot. I think if you're an outside wide receiver, you need more in your favour to be a success. Um, rookie QB in Zach Wilson isn't ideal, but it's good news that they're both rookies and they're together there for the next four years. So it's a great chance for them to build some chemistry and grow together. Um, the coaching staff had success with guys who play near the slot and the, the line of scrimmage in, in Debo and Ayuk. Um, so overall, I think it's a great spot. We just need Crowder to be moved on, otherwise, it's going to dampen everything in the short term. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. So we're gonna gonna move on to the two hundred five. Ali, have you gone for? It's uh, you can't have too many more. Again, it's it's Rondale Moore. Um, and uh, again, in the in the drafts that I've been involved in, he's he's gone higher than the two hundred five. So I think it's a no brainer to take him in this this position. Um, it's got huge upside, and I really like the landed spot on the Cardinals. Um, the only uh thing that dampers it really is his injury history is, is definitely a concern um but obviously the cardinals have done their homework and and drafted him and i think it's gonna be a great compliment to to new hopkins um I, I really think he can hit the ground running and and produce in 2021 um is, is that after the the catch spe yardage specialist um just give him the ball and and he'll work his magic so i'm i'm excited to get him at the two or five yeah, I absolutely love Rondale Moore and, and I love this pick, Ali, at this point. It, it feels low risk to me. I mean, middle of the second round, somebody who could have you could have a huge ceiling when it comes to, to fantasy. I think people are forgetting just how dominant he was in college with um, 1,200 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns, and, and that was as a freshman. So I think that just goes to show that the, the talent that he has is, is versatile. Um, I think they're going to use him in a... A number of ways whether that be in the slot or running jet sweep screens even taking uh, carries out of the backfield i think that they're, they're going to use him all over in this offense uh, and then just just touching on the offense it's a high powered high tempo offense it's, it's everything you look for when you're looking for a fantasy asset um 
So I, I do believe he's going to see plenty of opportunities in 2021. Uh, the, the big concern is obviously that the injuries, he's only played uh, seven games in, in the last two seasons, but I, I'm happy to take a risk at him at this point um, for the potential upside that he has. Yeah, I really like the value on Rondale here. I think um, it should be going ahead of any uh, running back outside the clear big three. Um, very exciting prospect, super early breakout age and production. Um, and he lands in a spot tied to an ascending QB in Kyler, and he's only got to beat out at this point in Christian Kirk for a full-time slot role. Um, like we said, he's, he's short and stocky. I think you called him a, a vending machine or something a few episodes ago, Matt. <laughs> not quite, um, not quite. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he's, it, I guess with him being short and stocky, it, ma- it matters a lot less if you're working in the slot near the line of scrimmage. You don't need to be six foot four running out on the field here. So. Um, my question for you, Ellie, is... Um, what what sort of fantasy career do you think will be considered a, a success for Rondale Moore? Um, it's a good question. I think there's such he could finish as a as a probably not an all time great, but he could have a really good career. Although, just with his skill set, it's just such a different receiver than what we normally see. He's short, stocky, so quick. He's strong. Um, he's never going to be a target hog on this on this offense. But then I don't think he needs high volume to succeed. Um, sort of guy he can catch four passes for for eighty yards and a touchdown. Um, my my obvious comp is Steve Smith. The Panthers great. Um, Love it. high praise. Uh, I see a lot of Smith in in Rondell. Obviously, we can't just expect that production. But the but the upside is is huge if he can stay healthy. Um, I, I can't see any reason why he can't have a similar similar career to to Steve Smith. I love it. The grill's turning up the heat with the, with that comp. Love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to, to the 206, and this was my pick, and, and I went for Trey Sermon. Um, wasn't the biggest fan of his leading up to the draft. Um, I've got concerns that he obviously transferred from Oklahoma to Ohio State after losing playing time to, to Kennedy Brooks, um, and obviously that he then landed in a great spot in Ohio State. Um, but he was selected in the third round. Um, he's in this offense that we know it can be. It can be great in terms of fantasy for for the starting running back. He's got he's got great size. Um, he can definitely carry a heavy workload, um, but he's going to have competition for touches. It's a, it's a crowded backfield, um, but but I think at this spot I'm I'm happy to draft him. I'm willing to take a chance um, that it can it can return value if it, if he does become the starter. Yeah, I, I'm fine with Sermon here as well. I've got no issue with. Anyone taking Sermon over Michael Carter? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> we, need, we need a camera. How many times are you going to slide Carter off in, the, in this show? <laughs> no, nah, I think, honestly, though, surely. honestly, I do think it is closer between Sermon and Carter. Um, I've got Carter slightly ahead, but um, hey. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at Sermon, he's, he's got better draft capital. He's uh, He's been acquired through a trade-up. Um, 49ers are a better team, um, although the, the flip side is there's more competition for touches. Um, running back so gross that guys like Sermon and Cat are going to jump up boards a little, uh, but they're not bets I ideally want to make unless I'm desperate. Um, but I do think Sermon can give you a top 25 season if he gets given that starter type volume. Yeah, this is this is where Sermon he comes into play for me at this pick, middle middle to the back of the second. Um, I was I wasn't massively high on Sermon pre-draft, but I don't think the lander spot could have been any better really. Um, they they traded up to get him, um, so it's definitely worth the pick here. And then if he if he merges as the leader of a committee uh, on a really good run running team, then just look out. His his value is going to shoot up. Um, 
So the range of possibilities here is vast for Sermon. Definitely top 24 upside, so it's definitely worth a pick here. Um, it's just a question for you, Matt. It's a bit of a made-up scenario. If the if the worst case happens and you get sniped for Michael Carter <laughs> at the beginning of round two, are you happy to draft Sermon in the next spot, or would you look to draft a different position? I'll have probably left the league. I'll have got, got the hump on that I couldn't get Carter. <laughs> um, no, probably not, if, if I'm being honest. Um, if I miss out on Carter, I'd... I'd rather take a chance on, on the potential upside of somebody like we just mentioned with, with Rondale Moore or Elijah Moore. Um, and then I'd probably go for, for Sermon after those guys. Um, he's not somebody that I'm super excited about. But as I say, I think it, in the, if you can get him in the middle of, of the second round, I think that he can have a great return on, on the investment you've made in him. Um, I just think the mid-second, that, that feels about right for, for where I'd be, I'd be happy to take him. So 207 up next, Kev, who have you gone for? Yeah, it's after 206, it gets really messy really quick. Um, I don't like this guy, but I've gone for Kadarius Tony. Um, I mean, his profile, apart from the athleticism and the draft capital, it's pretty dogger, to be honest. Um, <laughs> seen, seen plenty of guys like him that have bust in the NFL. John Ross, Tabern Austin, um, possibly Henry Ruggs as well. Um, we'll have to see how that one pans out, but... Um, he's a that it's that territory of the draft, so he, he is worth taking a shot on a guy with first round of draft capital. Um, I'm going to take one share of him just in case, uh, but otherwise I'll probably mix it up and take uh, a variety of guys in this range, including the next couple of guys we talk about. Yeah, Tony, I, I love, I do like the talent and I love the draft capital that he comes with, but I don't, I don't love the landing spot. Um, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of mouths to feed in the offense, um, and we know how surprising the pick was when it was uh, when it was made. Um, and and like you say, Cave, once you get past the middle of the second round, the, the chances of hitting on a player I think have become rather slim. Um, but I think Tony's probably got the best chance of the lot. Um, having the first round draft capital, they're going to 100 percent want to get him involved. Um, so this is probably the earliest I would draft Tony, but I would be happy to take him here. Um, in fact, I did pick him up at the the two twelve in in one of my drafts. So that's maybe my only show I'm going to get, but I'm definitely happy with, happy with that. Yeah, I think I think I agree with what you said at the start, Kev. That I think there's definitely a drop off at, at talent when you get to around this spot. Um, but based purely on, on draft capital alone, I think Tony's worth taking a shot on here. Um, I think he's at least going to get a chance with the Giants. I don't think they're going to spent that first round pick on a guy just to to let him let him sit on the bench so i do think he's going to get opportunity early but he's versatile it's going to be interesting to see how they do use him uh with the giants and and how they're going to get the ball in his hands um but i think he's, he's a potential boom bus uh, boom or bus player um but as i say worth the shot i think at, at the 207 um so kev do, do you think we're gonna to have to wait until sterling shepherd moves on before turning a becomes fantasy relevant or do you think it can it can manage to be relevant not totally sure i'll be used immediately but if i'm a darius slayton owner i'm worried mm. um he seems like logical fall guy to me out of the starting lineup he's only got fifth round draft cap capital and he's got no ties to current coach joe judge uh, my guess is that by mid-season tony's cracked out three wide receiver sets at the expense of slayton um, i do actually think Shepard's an underrated guy who should be kept around and used by the Giants. Yeah, I just think it'll be interesting who they put in the slot. I mean, Shepard's look better in the slot. Um, but yeah, he's played out outside, so 
we can see I can see him going outside and tailing the slot. So we'll we'll move on to two oh eight two oh eight. Ali, have you have you gone for it at the two oh eight spot? So I've gone for the wide receiver one of the Detroit Lions. I've gone for Eamon Ra St. Brown. Um the draft capital was was disappointing, but but the landing spot was absolutely superb. Um it was a guy I was pretty bullish on actually pre-draft, so I'm even more so now. Um <laughs> I think he's got immediate route to fantasy relevance. Uh his competition is is Brashad Perryman. I think he's a, a sleeper this season. Uh Tyrell Williams and Quintes Cephas. Um so so really it's there's not that much competition. Um and I'm absolutely happy to take him at the 208. I'd probably take him as early as the 206. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, – I'm definitely happy uh, at this position. Yeah, I was like you, Ali. I was I was quite high on him coming into into the draft. So, it was disappointing to see him slide into into the fourth round. But as you say, that the opportunity he's got, it's going to be great in Detroit. Uh, the wide receiver court is full of cheap veteran op- options, such as, as Perryman and Williams. Uh, and when we know volume it's king for fantasy so you could see plenty of it i believe um with, with those guys to, to compete against um the lions are likely gonna have to throw it a lot but they're gonna be chasing games um so there's potential for those those garbage time fantasy points um on this offense too which is it's obviously gonna be gonna be great for us um we just need goff to be to be serviceable in in 2021 and if he is i think i think St. brown can, can have a really strong rookie season yeah, this is an ideal spot for ASB. That's what I'm going to call him, ASB. Um, <laughs> it's an ideal spot for him in rookie drafts. And this is actually a pretty close call with Kadarius Tony at my previous pick. Um, it's mainly about situation for me. There's there's no real competition for volume outside of Swift and Hawkinson. I mean, uh, you, you touched upon it a little bit earlier. He's, he's facing competition from guys like uh, Quintus Cephas, which he sounds like an STD, doesn't he, if we're being honest. Um, um, I think... ASB reminds me a bit of former USC wide receiver Bobby Woods. Um, we, we know that new Lions QB Jared Goff had a ton of success with Woods for the Rams. So, yeah, he is an interesting guy. He's ASB. He's a, got a clear pathway to lead the team in targets if he is good enough. So, question for you, Ali. Do you think there's a sneaky chance that he is the top rookie wide receiver and should we be considering higher because of this? Oh, it's a really good question, actually. Um, it's not one that I've thought of, but... I think, <laughs> although I think he's definitely going to be near the top of the rookies for targets, I don't I don't expect him to be the rookie number one. Um, but certainly because of volume-wise, I think he could definitely be near near the top, especially in touchdowns. Um, trouble is, I'm just I'm so far out on Jared Goff on the Lions. I think it's going to be a bit of a disaster for him this season. Um, the only positive is that they've they've really improved their O line. Um, in fact, they think it's the best. The best in the NFL, so we'll see about that. Um, but I do think he outperforms his rookie ranking, though. So there is a chance that he definitely finishes in the top sort of five, six, seven wide receivers. Yeah, don't don't hate it at all. Um, so with that, we'll we'll move on to the two hundred nine. I've gone for a little bit of a curveball. Here. I've gone for Pat Frymouth. Um I am going to put a disclaimer out before I start before I start talking about him. I'm not one to to do this and grab a tight end over wide receivers and running backs in my rookie drafts. Um, but I do think that there's a big tier gap now when it comes to to the wide receivers and running backs. So I'm happy to take a stab at a tight end at this spot. And I think he's pretty underrated, to be honest. I think obviously all the attention around Kyle Pitts. I think it's it's allowing him to to sneak under radars a little bit. 
picked in the second round by the Steelers. It's a, a pass-heavy offense, although I, I do think, obviously, now they've got Najee Harris, they, they start running the ball a little bit more. But I just think that's going to help the offense as a whole, if I'm honest, with a, a more rounded um, offense. He's going to be the best blocking tight end as well on the roster. So I think that's going to lead to, to opportunities for, for him to at least get snaps. And we, we know he's a great re receiver as well. So with that, I think there's definitely opportunity for him to, to, to see volume. And his nickname's Baby Gronk. I think I think there's a reason behind it. Yeah, we should have known you were going to go tight end, Matt. I know you're a big fan <laughs> of uh, tight ends in, in your yeah. drafts. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's hard for to take an on day one tight end uh, this early in rookie drafts. But like you said, we know the second half round two, it's full of dart throws and landmines. Uh, the clear tight end two in this class and an easy uh, easy pathway to success beyond Eric Ebron. Um, I'm, I'm not one who usually goes to rookie tight ends unless the, the first round real life selections are if I'm looking to take them and then flip them for a bit of value. So um I guess my, the, the only other point I've got on Framuth is um, loads of tight ends have been nicknamed <laughs> Baby Gronk. Uh, Big Rob yeah. must get about. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, I, I really, I don't hate this pick to be honest, Matt. Um, if you if you just look at the <laughs> the names, the list of names to come, it's it's not too much of a reach for me. Um, uh, at this position, you're facing. Do you pick the the running back seven? Do you pick the wide receiver ten, or do you go for the tight end two? So, I don't hate it. The Steelers have invested a second round into him, and I think he's going to be the guy once Ebron leaves. Um, so, uh, personally, I think Frymouth will be asked to block a lot in year one because of the fact that of the O line issues. But but this is dynasty, so in year two onwards, he could he could flourish. Um, so you've got him for cheap here. Um, so just a question for you, Matt. We know the Steelers have a, a really high, heavy pass offense. So do you see Frymouth can contribute much in year one? Um, I mean, it is always tough, isn't it? When we talk about rookie tight ends, we know that they, they take time to develop. But I think with that blocking ability that it has, the Steelers, we know they, they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more. So he's going to see the field more. They, they use 12 personnel a lot as well. So him and Ebron can, can both see, see the field. And I, that's going to lead to, to opportunities for him. Um, he's got that size, so he can be a red zone threat for Big Ben. Um, I believe he could have a, a bit of a, a Cole Komet type season where he starts making an impact more towards uh, the second half of the season. Um, so, Kev, Kev, if you don't like the nickname Baby Gronk, I've just thought of another one. We'll have to start calling him Postman Pat when he starts delivering. <laughs> <laughs> and with that... Oh, yeah. We'll move swiftly on after that. I've turned into Kevin the terrible joke now. So we'll move on to the 201. Kevin, who have you gone for? Postman Pire. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 210. I'm going to be taking uh, Nico Collins. Um, I, I love this value, actually. My rookie wide receiver, nine. Uh, big, fast athletic dude with early college production. Um, but he couldn't showcase his full potential due to the horrific QB play at Michigan. Um, I think he lands in a great spot for opportunity with the Texans. He's likely going to be a starter as a rookie. Um, the long-term QB concern um, th does exist, but it, it, you've got to take that early volume. It gives you options in terms of potential training him moving forward. Yeah, for me, it's similar to the St. Brown pick earlier. I think it's a, a perfect landing spot for Collins uh, to be able to produce, produce in year one. So there's that immediate path to relevance which is what you want at this late in the draft. Um, 
the Texans moved up and they actually gave up quite a lot to secure Collins in the third round. Um, so I'm I'm absolutely fully on board with this pick. Um, and for some reason, the community seems seems quite down on Collins. A lot of the time, he's been he's been taken in the the third round. So, but I like him at the back end of the second definitely. Yeah, I think he's definitely got an opportunity to to see targets in this offense with the the lack of depth that they have at wide receiver. Um, I think the uncertainty though it is that the quarterback. I think that is a big concern, and as you mentioned, Kev, that that's what held him back in college. So that w- that would be what concerns me. Um, but to be honest, I don't think there was many more landing spots where a rookie wide receiver could land and, and see this level of opportunity. Um, so it could potentially turn into great value at the 210. Is somebody I'm happy to target around this spot. Um, I've even seen him going in the, in the third round in a lot of my rookie drafts, which which just feels like crazy value for, for the potential early return you can get on him. Um, so Kev, as I've, as I've mentioned, everybody, they love this landing spot because of the opportunity. But how much does the, the quarterback play concern you if it is Tyrod Taylor or, or Rookie Davis Mills throwing him the ball? I mean, I'm a big Tyrod fan, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the QB play does does worry me. I, I'd much rather it be Deshaun Watson, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. I think, <laughs> like I like said, similar to ASB, the volume's great. It's on a bad team. There's not a ton of weapons. Um, I think the volume can negate bad QB play in the short term, but think you have got to be worried longer term I'm, I'm still not sold on Nico Collins longer term and I would be very happy if I could get some early success from him and move him for a mid to high second next year because that class looks really nice uh, and it's something to consider with both Collins and ASB if they do hit early on to look to flip them for future picks next year yeah I think that's that's a that's a great point to make Kev um thank you so, 11 Ali who have you got who's your last pick so it's not necessarily someone I would be picking here, but it's someone that I wanted to talk about, someone that I've talked extensively about as being quite high on before the draft as a, as a late sleeper. Um, and it's Amari Rogers for the Packers. Um, obviously, with the news going on about Rogers, I really thought we were going to get a Rogers to a Rogers. Um, and the fact that I love Amari Rogers, but it looks like we could be getting love to Rogers. Um, oh. so, <laughs> but even if... Even if Rogers stays, um, it is, this is a reach for me in the second round. Uh, but I did, I did want to mention him. Um, he's another one of those a bit similar to ASB um, and Nico Collins. He got a good landing spot. Um, you know, we've been saying for years that the the Packers need to draft a wide receiver early. Well, again, they didn't. But Mario Rogers was the first wide receiver they, they've taken, so he's going to get chances. Um, he's that smaller receiver, but he can do damage. With the ball in his hands, um, I think he's good. He could be a, a good complement to Devonte Adams. Um, I've picked him up in one of my drafts, and I'm just happy to stash him and just see what plays out. Um, I think you're not you're not going to expect anybody to produce straight away uh, this pick um, at the back end of the second, but I'm I'm happy just to, just to take him and just see what develops really. Yeah, I mean, is is another player that potentially lands in a great spot with not much depth at the wide receiver position behind Devontae Adams. Um, obviously, the, the Aaron Rodgers drama is a concern, and if he does leave, I think this whole Packers offense is just going to take a massive hit. Um, but yeah, Amari, it should be a great fit. He's he's going to get straight into that that slot role. He's, he's drawing comparisons to to Randall Cobb and his timing in Green Bay, um, and with the size and ability that he has to to make yards after the catch. So. If you can become anything like Randall Cobb, we, we've got a hit at this point in in your rookie drafts. Um, he's more like a he's like a wide receiver, but in a running back's body. 
Um, so yeah, I think it, it can make can make big plays once he's got the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting dart thrower. I don't actually trust uh, Lafleur to use him effectively, though. I think Lafleur's massively overrated, uh, and his success has been on the back of a Hall of Fame QB. I think if Aaron Rodgers does move move on, it this is a six and ten type team in my opinion. So I'd be worried about going after any Packers players right now. Having said that, I did draft uh, Aaron Rodgers in the Honest <laughs> Wildcard League, but um, anyone else uh, I'd be worried about. Um, so yeah, um, I, just just question for you, Ali. Um, how much would moving on from Aaron Rodgers actually hurt his dynasty stock if he did take him as a, a rookie? I think it's. Uh, Deeply concerning for all Packers players. I'm absolutely petrified if I'm holding any Devontae Adams shares um, because he's not going to be the same the same player. Where you've got to draft him, um, if there's another QB in there, it's not going to be the same. But in terms of Amari Rogers, I'm not too concerned. I think 99 times out of 100, he goes in round three. So if you're expecting any sort of elite production from any of these players, then you're rather misled. So... I'm not too concerned. I think regardless of the quarterback, there's going to be a chance for, for Rodgers to show what he can do. Um, his, his competition is not really the best. You've got players like MVS and, and Alan Lazard, who I've <clears throat> never been the biggest fan of. So I'm not too concerned at where where I'm taking Rodgers in the draft. I'm not too concerned if if Aaron Rodgers does, does end up leaving Green Bay. Yeah, we, we just need to hope he doesn't leave, don't we? And then we've, we've got a nice pick here at the, at the end of the second round. Uh, so so with the final pick, I've gone for Diami Brown. Um, I love the value that you're getting here on, on this guy at the at the end of the second. Um, I think he's going to be a great piece in, in this offense. He's, he's likely going to be working on the outside opposite Terry McLaurin. Um, but we know we've got Fitz Magic at, at quarterback, who we know is not afraid to, to throw the occasional deep ball. Um, I, I do have my concerns about the, the consistency he can have as a as a weekly starter, but I just think that the upside that it could potentially bring, I think it is definitely worth a shot at in the last pick in the second round. Yeah, I think he's got a great name, hasn't he? Diami Brown, it just sounds good. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a dynamic guy. He's a great deep threat. Um, I do worry if he's going to be anything for fantasy, uh, but I do like that he's tied to Fitzpatrick as a guy that's confident and competent at getting the ball down the field. Uh, my guess is that he's a better real-life prospect than fantasy. Um, and then just one last point on De'Ami Brown. I think if the Rams were looking for a potential deep threat guy, De'Ami Brown would have been a way better pick than Tutu Atwell. Yeah, agreed. I absolutely love Brown's talent. Um, the, the fact that he fell to the third is not not ideal, but it's not impossible for him to become relevant. He's, he's so dynamic that he can be used in different ways on the field. And, with Fitzmagic at quarterback, you could see some some booming touchdowns. Um, and at this point in the draft, it is that dart throw. So I'm just drafting the talent here. Um, and he's one of the few players in this draft that you could end up in a year's time and he could be a, he could be a steal at this position. Or he could end up, you know, with very little opportunities um, and, a, and a bit of a wasted pick. So, but the 212, I'm, I'm definitely happy to take, to take my shot. Um, so just a question for you, Matt. Are you concerned for Brown that he'll be too far down the depth chart to contribute decent enough fantasy production? Um, I think it has to be a concern. I think he's potentially going to be a bit boom or bust. Um, but I think he's got a shot at being the, the wide receiver three on, on, on the team. And as we say, at this point at the draft, you, you're taking dart throws. You, 
you, you're throwing plenty of uh, of uh, poo at the wall and, and and just hoping that one sticks. So yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm happy to take a shot on him at, at the end of the second round. So that brings us to the end. Then I'll give a quick recap on who we took in the second round. It went Marshall, then Bateman, Carter, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Trey Sermon, Tony, Kev's new nickname ASB, my new nickname Postman Pat, <laughs> Collins, Rogers, and and Brown. So as I say, that that's the end of the show. We've we've given you our, our post draft two round dynasty superflex rookie mock draft, and obviously we've we've tried to analyze them a little bit and and the landing spots and. Obviously, the, the the dynasty perspectives that, that these guys have got. So before before we end the show, lads, have you got any final thoughts on today's show? Yes, the whole draft process was a bit bit strange for me with all the landing spots and the and the draft capital. It sort of threw me. Um, I think the consensus was that it was a it was a really deep class. But then when you start analysing it, once you get to sort of the pick pick eighteen, so middle of the second round, it really starts to drop off in in talent and quality. Um, so uh, last night I traded uh, the 202 and 204 in one of my leagues and traded up to the 108 and I think it's it's uh, it's something that I'm going to be looking to do in my rookie draft going forward is to, to to grab the first round talent and not so much pick guys in the second round who are um, less certain of a, of a, of a role um, but yeah I'm definitely again I'm, I'm, I'm banging the drum for if you can flip any of your sort of second round uh second round rookie picks for for proven talent then i'm absolutely doing that this season yeah just a couple of bits for me i think uh travis Etienne over Najee harris every time um <laughs> terrace marshall he's in a prime spot to dominate and don't overthink javante williams is going to crush it i think as well you've got to think about tiers in your rookie drafts uh, don't be afraid to trade out especially late in both the first and second round yeah, I think that's a great point. That the tiers is going to be key when you're, you're in your rookie drafts. Um, don't feel like you you've, you can always move around in your, in your in your rookie draft. So if like the moves Ali just suggested, I think that's that's something that that could be great and potentially even dropping down. We mentioned from the the one hundred one, if you can drop down to one hundred two, one hundred three, and then get a piece added on top, you you're winning straight off. Um, so yeah, with that, thanks for tuning in. Be, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. Um, we've got our link tree site on our Twitter page where you can find all his podcasts and his, his shows on YouTube. So please do check it out and, and be sure to subscribe. Um, and then be sure to tune in next week on, on Tuesday the 18th of May where we're going to be doing his, his rookie deep dive. It'll be his final show before before the big Fantasy Wildcard streamathon on, on Sunday the 22nd of May. So as I say, please please tune in next week and we're going we're gonna to reveal his, uh, his little hidden gems, aren't we, guys? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound too excited about giving you your secrets away there, Kev. <laughs> so with that, thanks once again. Uh, have a good one and, and we'll see you next week. Ta-da. See ya. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game. <laughs>